0: Does your bike need some love? Shimano original replacement parts are the best way to renew the original function of your Shimano-equipped bike. Available online and at your local retailer.
1: From Red Kite Prayer, this is the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I am Celine Yeager, and with me is my co-host Patrick Brady for our final episode, folks. Each week, we've been taking a look at how cycling fits in our lives. I think this is number hundred or so. How uh, how's it going, Patrick? Let's I talk know about that you y- have a lot of orange air out there.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's ugly. And uh, let's see, the last time I rode was Sunday. It was an awesome ride. I positively broke myself. Uh, just just died wilting in the heat on the last climb back
1: out. Oh, it's been hot too, right? What's the temperature? Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Turns
0: out if you have enough smoke between the sun and you, the temperature drops down into the low 60s. Uh, oh boy. Who knew? Uh, so <laughs> we've got no problems with heat now, but uh, I... You know, I went to the store this morning to pick up a couple things and had a mask on. And by the time I got home, I was coughing. I Wow. I was I was outside, you know, like not in an indoor space for let's go with three minutes. Yeah. So um, it'd be way more interesting to talk about how the writing's going where you are.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. It's it, it's been it's been good. <laughs> I've got no uh no complaints. Actually, going to an event this weekend. So, Ooh, right. That's an exciting thing to say. <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> um, Keystone Gravel, which is one of those oh. enduros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is going off. It's a, it's a it as is everything. It's a different format. Uh, there will be no math start, which honestly is fine. So you can just get up and go when you're ready to go. So that's that's actually kinda cool. Yeah, you know, that, that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that at all. And a few of us are doing uh we're just driving a hundred mile one for him. So uh I'll let you know when I'm when I'm back into civilization so nobody has to go look for me <laughs> 'cause it's like <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be really challenging, but it should be it should be very fun. It's uh, I'll be Riding with a couple of people I've been riding with this whole time. So that's, you know, close friends. So that's cool. And I'll just be nice to, to do a thing, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Uh, it's interesting that one of the things that I've loved about gravel events and certainly I loved about the rise of Grand Fondos, was that you had the electricity of a big mass start. You know, you mm-hmm. sometimes have several mm-hmm. thousand people on the oh, way Mm-hmm. You know, and you had all this electricity and you get out on the course and four hours later, there are people around you and, you know, they've ridden just as hard as you have the whole day to get there. Yep. Something that I didn't care for with some centuries where you'd have people go out three hours before and then you'd come by and they right, decide right. you were their personal tow truck.
1: Right. Uh, right.
0: Although there were days where that's ended up being kind of the most awesome thing I could do was just tow other people around. And now, like the best thing we can possibly do is have century-like starts,
1: right? Totally, <laughs> totally. And that you know, that's that's fine. It it is in in some ways, like I said, it's 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 not an unwelcome change. I will certainly welcome packing into a corral again and packing onto a start line again because that's really mm-hmm. fun. But it is, it's a different kind of adventure. It's not a bad adventure to right. just go off with your little pod and and you know, do something, do an event. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it's supposed to be, it's been hot again here and it's supposed to be high of 73, which Mm. is about and sunny, which is about as perfect as perfect gets. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I, I'm not looking at like, do I need four water bottles somehow strapped (laughs) and you know, like all that kind of stuff. It's just really nice to not have to worry about that level when you're talking hydration and mostly self-supported kind of adventure. Mm-hmm. it's nice to have <laughs> ideal temperatures for it for
0: sure. yeah well you've never heard anyone say 73 and muggy
1: that's true yeah no so <laughs> although i mean it you know we can have a kind of humid but it's uh it it should be perfect it should actually be perfect and i'm i'm super looking forward to that that'll be that'll be a really fun but saturday
0: nice okay yeah. well uh you'll you'll have, have to you do been something. watching
1: the tour nope Nope. No, just curious. I asked you that before. Do I keep asking? You,
0: <laughs> uh, you might have asked it once before. I, I
1: think I, I think I asked you before.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I've got this other thing that I'm working on that's occupying some of my time.
1: Mm, yeah. Good point. <laughs> I have so, it. I have NBC Gold, So it's just like literally in the background, um, on uh-huh. my auxiliary monitor. And then mm-hmm. if something exciting seems to happen, I can sort of look up, but mostly it's just sort of like a baseball game in the background that, just barely paying attention to the 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 finishes have been quite exciting and it's been quite exciting yeah super yesterday was super exciting but it's also like not having there's no like this dominant force or you know so it's it's actually good racing you don't know who's gonna win you don't it's none of it's a foregone conclusion there's no it's not the usual sort of play that plays out exactly the way you think it's gonna play out so it's made it Actually really cool. Made it good. really cool to watch. Yeah.
0: Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm certainly encouraged to hear that. I know friends of mine have been pretty thrilled with the racing. Um, and these young
1: guys like so emotional. Like they're so they're so yeah. emotional on the finish. It's just been it's refreshing.
0: That's yeah. nice. Yeah. That's really nice to hear. Uh something I always disliked was the the rehearsed victory salute.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you have guys like in tears, you know, it's like genuine. It's very cool. That's, that's awesome to hear. Cool. Well, you know,
0: maybe pretty soon I'll actually carve out a little personal time again. Uh, Seriously, (laughs) the, just about the only time I've been taking, you know, uh, other than like on into the evenings has been riding and yeah, I haven't been able to do that since Sunday Uh, and I'm not going to ride tomorrow and I'm probably not going to ride Saturday the way things are looking.
1: Oh, uh, I feel for all of you out there with with this situation. It's really, it's, uh, it's surreal. It's, it's, it's difficult to watch. It's difficult to watch.
0: I've, I've had more fun and there's this, there's this very weird bonding thing that happens with, uh, my friends where, you know, we are kind of suffering this thing together and, mm-hmm. There's this, uh, especially in the bike community, there's this kind of weird cohesion, even though we're not seeing each other, Mm -hmm. but you can feel it in the Facebook comments, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Do you want to talk about where you are with the cycling independent? Do you want to tell us? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's probably, uh, that's probably an appropriate thing to do. Uh, We are launching Monday.
1: All righty then. Yeah. And probably okay that you're not riding outside or tempted to ride outside <laughs> or looking you longingly know, outside. Uh,
0: the roads and trails will be there next week and the week after and whatever. No, that's true. Uh, yes. So it's good for me to knuckle down now. We've got a lot of really neat contributors. And honestly, basically all I've done this week, with one small exception, has has been working on editing work from our contributors, getting it formatted. I mean, we're on a whole new WordPress platform, so I'm still learning the system. Oh boy it, it does some very, <laughs> very cool things i'm yeah. I'm immensely proud of this site. I've done some neat things in my life. Uh, I'm doing one of them right now as we speak this this new site i'm I'm just super proud of it, and like working with you, the chance to work with Kush. Uh, and, and, you know, we're on the phone daily doing FaceTime calls, doing zoom sessions with John as well. I'm working with just the neatest bunch of people. I am so lucky. And so when we finally get to flip the switch and and turn on the site for everybody, uh, I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous about whether or not people will like it. I'm only curious about how many people will like it because I know it's good work. I know mm-hmm. we've brought people just some awesome stuff. I was reading one of the columns uh that was submitted to us. Uh this is someone who's gonna be a consistent uh columnist for us. Brian Tradina. He went uh he, went, he went under the yeah, uh went under the the byline hooves, uh Bert Hoovis. Bert Uh, at dirt rack and Mm -hmm. the piece that he sent in for his first column, it's heavy.
1: It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. I, I.
0: (sighs) Neat dude. I mean, you know, I, you could stick him in a police lineup and I wouldn't know him. I've never met him, but I can tell you right now, I can't wait to read a lot more of his work and I'm, you know, it's just a great example of something I am immensely br- proud of to bring to an audience. Uh, when I think about the sort of work that I want to read about cycling, mm-hmm. I can hold that up as something that, yeah, I, I would read more of that in a heartbeat. And, uh, awesome. we're, you know, we're also going to have some very lighthearted elements as well. Uh, we we may crack a joke or three.
1: <laughs> I am sure you will.
0: <laughs> Yeah. So this week with it being, well, your final episode with the Pace Line, thankfully not the final episode of the Pace Line, which which would be, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, I wanted to do something a little different this week. Instead of our our traditional format, I really wanted to focus on you and (laughs) give you the best send off that I could figure out <laughs> and maybe somebody else could figure out a better send off, but this is the one that I figured out. So it's a bit of an exit interview and I've got okay. some questions right. I want to run by you. Okay. So
1: be prepared. <laughs> I, I will do my best.
0: Alrighty. Well, let's start easy. Uh, tell me about your best ever day on the bike. You know, if you could go back and replay some ride that you did or some race that you did exactly as it was like Bill Murray groundhog day style. What was that
1: day? Oh boy. Start easy. He says like, what's your favorite color (laughs) is easy. Like like, that is a really hard question. Um, there are so, so many rides that I, that I, that I could think of and, and races, What's what's funny about this question is that some of the ones that I might tell you, like Days at Cape Epic or in Brazil or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily want to replay over and over, like Groundhog Day, because they they were super hard and sometimes scary, right. and, but they were very satisfying. Yep. I I think I think if I'm going to play something that that would be Groundhog Day, I would I would I can say that. One moment that always stands out in my mind goes way way back like 2000 maybe I mean it could be 20 years already mm-hmm. when Dave and I did our first big multi-day charity ride and it was one of those AIDS vaccine rides Oh uh-huh. and it yeah it was in uh Montana it went from Missoula to Billings so it was about Ooh. 500 yeah it was amazing it was about 550 miles I had never been to Montana before that point and i was dumbfounded by how amazing it was you know we went through the areas where they shot a river runs through it and all just the the whole giant sky this is just a strange illusion but anyway there was one day that ended with a nine or ten mile descent where you could literally see our camp like the tents all set up from the top And it was wide open along the side of the mountain with no inroads and perfect sight lines to it. So I don't think I even touched the brakes the whole way down. It's the only first and only time in my life I sustained 50 miles per hour or more, Mm -hmm. like for minutes, you know, for actually a long time. Mm -hmm. Dave, I think, came close to 60, you know, because he's a bigger, bigger guy. There's
0: a little more. It was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It was as close to flying as I have ever come for sure. It was, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. And we got done and immediately we like, Oh my God, if we could just magically go back to the top and do that again, we would go back to the top and do that again. And another similarly memorable day on that same ride, it was the last day it was 85 miles. It was all slightly downhill with a wicked, wicked tailwind. And we did the thing in, tw- in three and a half hours. So, yeah, it was amazing. Like barely pedaling. It was, I mean, I could have sat up. We could have had like cake and pizza and, and had a party <laughs> on the bike. It was insane. I mean, we earned it. We earned it, earned it, earned it. Because the day before we were going into that same wind and it falls flat all day. So oh. going as hard as you could at times doing 11 miles per hour. Just thinking on a on what seemed to be a flat mm-hmm. and i was mm-hmm. it was brutal it's like we are never ever ever gonna get to camp it was re, it was a really psychologically difficult day but that that whole i mean that i would a couple of those i would definitely replay cause it was just magical and i at that point was still pretty new to this kind of touring you know that kind of touring multi-day thing so mm-hmm. i it, it was one of those pivotal moments where I was like, this is really amazing. Like, this is a really amazing thing. And I'm surrounded by amazing people. And every day I get up and just get to do it again. And even when it's hard, it's great.
0: Huh. So, wow. Yeah. What was, what was the past, the descent that you did? That was so awesome. Do you recall what that was?
1: I do not. I do not. We went over the continental divide a couple of times. And I'm wondering if it was one of those days. I don't, I don't recall the day. I could probably go back and figure it out, but I I do not recall what town to what town at this point, 20 years later, quite honestly, I'd have to like go back. And at that point I have a, there was no straw, you know, there's no straw or anything. So I literally (laughs) have like a journal I wrote in. So I would have to go back to that, that book and look for that day to find it. And you probably wouldn't even tell me it would probably just have stars and smiley faces because I'm a four year old girl. So I like I don't think I don't think it would have have any good information for you.
0: That's funny. I mean, it's interesting. I I can't help but ask that because truly the road riding I've done in Montana, most of those descents are just absolutely incredible. The the climbs are beautiful. Uh, The terrain often really kind of forbidden. Uh, certainly when you get into glacier, it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, man, Mm -hmm. man was not meant to hang out here. Yeah. I remember that was kind of my first impression. Uh, you know, it's okay if you're a mountain goat, you know, or bison or moose, but you know, skinny little, you know, hairless white man. Um, no, no, we weren't really meant for that. As they say, it is a big country. A friend of mine years ago told me a story of, uh, throwing his VW bus into neutral at the top of Lolo Pass uh, and descending down out of Montana into uh, into Idaho off of Lolo Pass. And he said at the top, it was snow uh, and still higher than his bus was tall. And, you know, he went down through Rocky Scree and then into forest. And at the bottom, it was wildflowers.
1: Yeah. And that Montana.
0: Yeah. Uh and so I've I've I, I was last in Montana in nineteen ninety one. And so
1: I Oh I'm due. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. I did the hammer line high years ago too. That might have even been before Or was it after it? Eh, maybe it was after it. It was one of those hammer we we couldn't eat. <laughs> All we got was Perpetuum, so we did like oh. 130, 130 miles on heat in Perpetuum. Uh, we were rewarded with delicious elk steaks and beer when we got done with the ride, but I mean, it worked. It wouldn't be my chosen way to go go across the country or anything, but...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. For those who yeah. don't know, Perpetuum is kind of like a milkshake, a warm, chalky milkshake in your bottle. You put like six scoops of this stuff in there, and you just about chew it. Yeah, I can't do that
0: stuff. Uh, yeah. I I know people who swear by it, so I won't yeah. badmouth it. But I I can't no, yeah, yeah. personally. Yeah. Um. Okay. Moving right along. Okay. Uh. And this might get into some of the days that you don't necessarily want to repeat. But how about the win you were proudest of?
1: Oh, that's easy. Iron Man, hands down. That's an easy one. Okay. Uh, I yeah hand, I mean that that is actually an easy one. I've never worked harder towards a single goal in my life. I've mm-hmm. never trained so deliberately and purposefully and the day what I what I often don't talk about is the day did not go without mishaps. I I was I was humming along between checkpoints on the bike. Got on the bike, it was in Louisville, Kentucky. I got on the bike humming along Somewhere between checkpoint one and checkpoint two, I think, or maybe after checkpoint two, I, I, I don't quite remember. It was fairly early into the race, though. I want to say maybe 40 miles or so into it. And it's 112 mile leg. And the course was mostly rolling except for one notable climb that required the small ring. So I had you know, gotten the small ring, worked my way up to the top of the climb, went to shift into the big ring, and the cable came out of the front derailleur. Oh. <laughs> oh, which oh. I've never, I've never had that happen. I've never like, I'm, as we've mentioned, I'm no bike mechanic. I mean, I'm not in- incompetent, but I, this, these are things that I don't usually mess with. Right. So I looked down and I had no, I, I was like, why can't I go? And I was like, oh boy, that doesn't look right. So <laughs> I got off my, I got off my bike and a race official was pretty close by actually and stopped and said, you you need, you know, you in trouble. You need anything? And I said, Yeah, and I I indicated what my problem was and asked where... Because they have neutral support. You can't get help from other... You know, you can only get it in certain places from certain neutral support. And he told me that there was neutral support, was helping someone else, and it would probably be about 20 minutes. Oh, right, right. And it was funny. Like, I normally would, like, freak the F out, and I was very calm. I was like... Nope, I'm going to Kona and I'm going to fix this. This can't, this can't happen. I and Patrick. I honestly cannot tell you how I did it. Like I, I grabbed my multi-tool and I literally said, God, just put me in the big ring and I won't leave it. Just let me put this in the big ring. And I just kept, and somehow I did, I fixed it and I got back on my bike and I stayed in the big ring and it worked the whole time. And I ended up with the fifth fastest bike time overall, including the pro women at the, at the end of the day. So it was, but I still like, I, I think back to that with some frequency and like, how did I do that? And how is, I was just so it was, well, you know, I don't know what, what I believe about divine intervention. God has way bigger problems than me with my big ring, but <laughs> you know, somehow the 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 goodness of the universe you know whatever it was like bestowed upon me enough mechanical acumen to get that thing in and i I think you know what i think happened i kept like how did this happen i had put it was back in the day with power bars you know like i I guess there are still power bars but i was triathletes would smash them onto their top two (laughs) yes you know what i yeah you know what i mean so I smashed mm. it on my top tune and it was 95 degrees that day. So by the time I got to my bike, it was dripping like a Salvador Dali. Oh, all, like, gosh. The, watch. the power bar was all over my bike and it was in my drivetrain. So I had to like, I had to pull it out. So I I must, I must have gotten something loose. Something must have happened with that. But that uh, it's the only thing I can think unless it wasn't. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't mess with that in the, in the build of the bike, right? Like I can't, I don't know how that would have.
0: I mean, all I can come up with is that it was never tight enough to begin with and had gradually worked its way loose.
1: It's not impossible, but man, I put a ton of miles on that thing without any trouble before. You know what I mean? Like I had not, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to figure that out, but that, that whole thing was. You know, Iron Man was obviously incredibly transformational for me because after that, like all the other things that I might tell you, like winning the Brazil race and going to Israel with Rebecca and going to Cape Epic, all that all that came after that very pivotal moment in my life. So that is 100 percent would be my answer. So let me
0: ask you, in terms of how pivotal that was, what did it do in terms of transforming your view of yourself and what you were capable of.
1: <laughs> it changed everything. It really did because it's, it's kind of hilarious. The whole, the whole time I, in the beginning, when I was training for Ironman, I kept kind of arguing with my coach that I was really just a middle distance athlete. Cause that's how I thought of myself. Like I did not consider myself an endurance athlete. I had played field hockey. I had run track I did short distance triathlons. I did mountain bike, XC racing, but I, I had never considered myself a going long person. Mm. You know, I, I just, I just like, I did some charity stuff. I had done maybe a century or so ahead of that. I didn't love them. And that just, that just, it changed. It changed the way I, it definitely changed the way I thought of myself and it changed what I, I mean, I just discovered an athlete in myself I didn't know existed. That's the best way to put it.
0: Okay. Okay. Because, I mean, one of the remarkable things is the stories we tell ourselves are not the same stories that our audience would be inclined to tell about us. You know, you've got this reputation, the fit chick, and you've had, you know, as long as I've known your name, I've also known that nickname. Right. And... So, you know, I think of you as being badass since water. And I respect that that's not the story you tell yourself about yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I was fit. I mean, I obviously, like, but that name, it's funny that incarnation of that name came from when bicycling first relaunched with Bill the first time. It was mm-hmm. all columns, it was like boxes and columns and all chunk journalism because that's what people were doing at the time. And I was a trainer and a coach and I was sort of the fitness expert on staff. So I was answering readers questions and it was like, ask the fitness chick. It was just, yep. and then at some point it just became fit chick. And then it just stuck, you know? And, and to this day, i mean, I'm like, whoever thought 20 years later, I'd still be the fit chick, I didn't, but it, um, so I, I've always been fit. I mean, that's never been, you know, and I didn't, even when I was like going into Ironman before that, I considered myself fit. Like I, I was strong and fit. I just, I never would have considered myself Iron Man fit or like stage racing fit. Like that, that was not in my consciousness at all. Yeah. I
0: I could, I could see how that's a, it's kind of an order of magnitude shift in what your self-perception is.
1: 100%. And then I became like in my mind, I'm like, well, there's nothing I can't do if I put my mind to it. I mean, it really, it really did. But but I also respected that, and I still respect that. And I never, mm-hmm. if I had not made it to Kona, I would not have done another one. If I hadn't finished, uh, that would have been hard. But I I also learned that you, that you that those are cards that you don't you don't play your whole life, or you are you're playing solitaire. Because mm-hmm. you isolate yourself a lot from the rest of the world, from the rest of, you know, you're, you know, I've, I've been very open that, you know, Dave and I had like, there was tension. It was hard. It was super hard during those last few months. It was very hard, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, you know, I think everybody, if if they want to, should commit to some giant thing like that once because it does, it, 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 you learn stuff that you can tap into and not live that way. It's not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not Mm tenable, but, but it, it definitely teaches you a lot of lessons.
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of the interesting things that I, I wasn't planning to ask you this, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, once you had that success, you know, and you began to think, okay, there's nothing that I can't do. What is, what is giving yourself permission to succeed in that way? Like, and I get that this is a difficult question. This is like, well, what's it like to be a beetle? And Paul McCartney said, well, what's it like not to be a beetle?"
1: Well, that, it's funny. It's a, it's a, you asked me that and my head just swiveled because I, it, it's, it's turning that perception on its head in a way that, I, that wasn't what I meant when the words came out of my mouth. Oh, okay. I, yeah, because I am ruled by crushing fear of failure and that never went away. Like even though I had that success in Iron Man, every single time I woke up for something, I had that same crushing fear of failure. That that I have learned to harness and to somehow control, but it it has been a part of my life. And every time I have to perform, especially if it's on a competitive stage, it's something that I must contend with every single time. Like the 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 waves of misery are unbelievable. It's I, it's, I wish, like, going back, if there was one thing that I would change in that whole mm-hmm. stretch, it would have been working with a sports psychologist. Oh. Absolutely. I think I would have benefited enormously from that because a lot of people are like, oh, you could have been a pro. And, you know, that's probably true. I would have been an okay pro. My head would have been not good. I, I've always struggled with with that mental side. And frankly, I've always just enjoyed the way I've done it. I like I'm Mm -hmm. a writer. I like that. I like having this thing that I do on the side that I that I have some capability of. But it's not everything isn't resting on it because then it would be even my God, it would be even more pressure and it would be harder. But uh, so so giving yourself permission to succeed is a weird way to say that because I don't think that way. But I I understand what you're asking. I think Mm -hmm. that. That 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 when you when you step up to plates, especially if those plates and you're stepping up to one now, right? Like you, would, and these yep. these lessons transcend. So when you step up to a plate publicly, in something that you really care about and is really scary, what I do and have always done is give myself permission to fail. Hmm. So it's a different dynamic. Like, I step there and I'm like, the worst thing that can happen? I go worst case scenario because then I'm calm. You know, I'm like, if I go to the worst case scenario that I that I fail miserably and blah, 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 and the sun still comes up and, you know, I just grab the bat and step up to another plate, I can function. And okay. then once once the gun goes off, once the thing starts, I'm fine. I've always been fine once it's starting. It's just the hours before I get... Even a couple of days before I start getting waves of that just like okay harness the butterflies calm down but it's 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 a challenge
0: I I can appreciate that yeah we're going to take a short break for our sponsor Shimano and we'll be right back At Shimano we love riding and we know you do too As a small repayment for all the joy your bike has brought your life we encourage you to maintain your bike regularly Genuine Shimano replacement parts will keep your Shimano-equipped bike running smoothly. Whether your bike is built with 105, XTR, or our new gravel group, GRX, a well-maintained bike will operate better and go faster. Worn out a chain? Consider that a badge of honor. You've been riding a lot. Does it sound like metal on metal when you hit your rim brakes? That's a sign it's time for new brake shoes. What if your disc brakes don't feel as crisp as they used to? Cool, you've been going fast. Give them a bleed. Does your chain skip on smaller cogs? You're using all your gears, and now your cassette is shot. Is that old saddle creaking? It may be fatigued because of all the miles you've put in. Consider a saddle from Shimano's Pro line of components. And what about your feet? Cleats can and do wear out, especially the right cleat if you're a cyclocross racer. Whether it is the plastic cleat on a road shoe or metal SPD cleat, they can and do wear out. Keep that love burning bright. Show your bike a little TLC and take it by your nearest Shimano dealer to keep it running just like when it was new. Okay. This one's bound to be easier.
1: Okay. (laughs) He says. Digging deep into the the psychology.
0: If you had one kind of bike to ride, if you were going to be limited, you know, God, God forbid, you Mm -hmm. know, one kind of bike, uh, road, mountain, Mm -hmm. gravel, SUP
1: (laughs) has no wheels. <laughs> um this is actually a pretty easy one even though in in application if this were to really happen to me it would not be as easy like the answer is gravel that's like that's actually a very easy thing because I love my road bike but I could 100% live without my road bike my my open is a great substitute very capable it can do if I lived in a place where there were tame where I was surrounded and my and my usual trails were very tame you know, like mm-hmm. flow trails, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Then a gravel bike would be a super, super easy answer to say. But I would my mountain biking is mountain biking and it's rocky, and you need a mountain bike. And I love mountain biking, and I would miss it if I had to give up like one bike. And I had to like say, okay, bike mountain bike, you're gone. I would a hundred percent miss that. But I, I think I make that decision because because it is hard to ride here. So sometimes you want to give your body a break from yep, the, yep. you know the rocks. So like. If I, and I like to ride almost every day, so it would have to be a gravel bike, you know, cause it just opens up all my avenues. I can still do some trails, you know, the, there's trails around the park that I ride that are really fun, still kind of mm-hmm. challenging, but I can do them on my gravel bike. So it yep. would be, it would a hundred percent be the answer.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that. I would, for me to make that leap, I would need a dropper post on my gravel bike, but A gravel bike with a dropper post, I I think I could, I could live that way. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, in another place, like I was thinking when I rode out in Arizona, like a a Chamois Hagar would be amazing. It would be an amazing bike to have out there because it was very Mm -hmm. fun on the road. It it wasn't, I mean, once you got used to a little wonky when you first get on it, but then you get used to that, like your front wheel being like a yard in front of you. But, um. (laughs) But then it's just like a really fun, very capable bike on all terrain. So yeah, neat.
0: All right, your favorite place in the world to ride?
1: <laughs> I get asked this pretty much every time somebody talks to me, and it—I always feel like I give the lamest answer because I always say Pennsylvania. Uh, but it's—but it's true. There are—I've—I've I've ridden all over the world. There's a million amazing, amazing places, beautiful, beautiful places, places that are probably you know prettier or whatever, more epic. But I, I have a very strong sense of place and a very strong sense of home. And I'm very rooted and the rolling hills and the rocks and the tunnels of green and the fall and the spring, uh, they, that they just speak to me. Like whenever I'm here, I'm happy to be here. And I find the riding here both challenging and soothing at the same time. So I would, I would say here because Mm -hmm. of that. If I had to pick another place besides home, I'd say Utah. Mm. Utah, I think Utah is magical. Like, I think it's a magical place to be. When I did the ride uh, to Interbike from Salt Lake City with Specialized a few years back, mm-hmm. we went through so much just, like, jaw-dropping terrain. We we went through the, the portion that sticks out most in my mind, we went through the Hogsback portion of Highway 12. It's yep. actually, a, do you know that? It's an international scenic highway. There were people there from all over the world.
0: Yeah, I did the the ride a couple of years before you did. Did you, uh, did did you was, do that? I think it was 90% the same route. Yeah, uh, and it was remarkable.
1: It really was. It was incredible. I was yeah. like incredible because you're on that sort of narrow spine with no guardrails. I wouldn't want to be in a car. I kept thinking these people in cars, like I'm not, I would not be comfortable, but on a bike, it was incredible. And you really feel like you're just like on this ribbon on top of the world with canyons on either side of you. It was, that was amazing.
0: There was only a portion of it where we got kind of okay views because it was, uh, it was cloudy and cold and you know, overcast. Oh,
1: that's a bummer because it is so Uh, beautiful.
0: There were spots that it was like, wow, that's really cool. And then, uh, the big descent out of there, uh, there Uh were K rails up on the side of the, uh, on the the side of the road. Those are the concrete barrier thingies that can be moved around. And they were lining the side of the road. So there was no real shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I got into the descent and thought if somebody comes up behind me, they're going to be on me by the time they see me because it was so foggy
1: in a vehicle and, yeah. yeah
0: and i turned around and climbed back up to the top and got in the van
1: oh that's uh, such a bummer um this breaks my heart to hear it because we had a perfect perfect day and uh, on a perfect day it, it it is etched in my memory forever it's like the most amazing piece of road that i've ever set my wheels on so i'm sorry to say that because <laughs> you know you it me, have,
0: <laughs> well it gives me a reason to go back you know yeah. and that's That's one of the things. And, you know, I honestly, I asked you this question because, you know, each week you're sending me photos for me to post. Uh, You know, it's mostly, you know, most of our photos are places you've been writing. Thank God you were writing with people who take photos more often than I do. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. But I see these photos and I, you know, I've fallen in love with Pennsylvania writing without actually doing it
1: (laughs) well that makes me happy yeah it's it's the it it, we have a it's just the special the terrain is just it is it is special and it's the green is different it's it's hard to explain but we have so many different shades of green with the rolling hills that it's i i i love that more than anything
0: I can see why I really can. Uh, someday, someday I'm going to get out there. Yeah. And we, you will take me for a ride.
1: There you go. A hundred percent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, where haven't you gone that you want to go and ride?
1: Oh, that's easy too. Um, I have never ridden in any Asian countries. Oh, but okay. Yeah. So Vietnam was always really high on the list, even before Rebecca did her Ho Chi Minh Mm -hmm. trail, Blood Road uh, adventure documentary. And she continues to do those tours that go through parts uh, of that journey. And I, I would love to do that at some point. I would really, really love to do that. And I saw that, you know, your, your story about Japan and I've seen other stuff. I would, I very much would like to get to, an Asian country and, and ride hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't blame you at all. And there's a lot to explore and my gosh, talk about being different. And
1: Well, that's you know, what I mean. Of, it's so different.
0: Yeah. The foliage, so the yeah. wildlife. I think that's one of the coolest things that I've found. It's like, okay, so all the foliage is different, but you got to slow down and kind of get up close mm-hmm, and really mm-hmm. check it out. Mm-hmm. But you can be riding along and you see a macaque, a, 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 right, you know, a monkey, right, run right. across the road, right, and it's like, right. "Toto, that, yep, not that, Kansas."
1: That stuff stops <laughs> in your tracks. Yeah, we had yeah. baboons on the prologue at Cape Epic, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, this is real. <laughs> there are there are baboons here. This is I am in a different place." And uh, Brazil was was quite a bit that way too. I would also hmm. really like to do the Rift. Ooh. The Iceland, because Iceland is another one. If I had to say two places, never mm-hmm. been to Iceland. And that is also like nothing else, right? There's, there's nothing like Iceland. And I would very much like to do that ride. Probably not next year. And who knows if we can travel. I don't want to talk about that. But um, 2022, you know, I, I really do want mm-hmm. to get out there and do that.
0: Yeah, I that that is definitely a place I'm very interested in as well. Have uh, you ever
1: been at all to Iceland? No, 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 no,
0: no. Uh, I've gotten to go a lot of cool places. uh, And I remember a few years ago, you know, our, do we still get to call him a colleague, Charles Pelkey, uh, since he's a lawyer these days? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Okay. Uh, So, you know, when he was uh, still doing the explainer for RKP, Mm -hmm. he and his daughter, Annika, uh, went to Iceland on vacation and he was posting all sorts of videos from that. And one of the funny things is I remember he told a story about talking to the locals there and describing the weather in Wyoming. And they were like, oh, my gosh, that's awful weather. Yeah. If people in Iceland are going, wow, that's lousy weather. It's like, okay, that does two things. Iceland's not as bad as you think. And Wyoming's worse than you think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because well, I mean, it's got to be both. Yeah, that's true. I wonder what uh, what about it. I don't know. I honestly don't know much about Iceland weather. I think I think when we think of Iceland and atmospheric things, we think dark, right? Like you think because of the yeah. Well, of it's a lot pretty close to you know, the know, Arctic Circle. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, the their climate isn't what it should otherwise be because of all the geothermal activity. Right. That's the thing. They have right. that saving grace because right. uh, without that you just shouldn't go It's Greenland.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. More of same. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, How many books have you written at this point?
1: Oh boy. Um, How many have I written myself? Uh, I'm looking at my bookshelf as we speak to count like one, two, Uh, I'm going to say the ones that I've authored just me, 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 maybe about six. But I've contributed or co-authored to like 30. So it's hard to, you know. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot up there. Hashtag
0: envy. Um, (laughs) um, If you were to be remembered for only one of them, or if you Mm -hmm. wanted to hold one up, you know, to say to your audience, if you only read one of my books in your life, there's a lot of books to read. Mm -hmm. If you only get to one of mine, which do you direct them to?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. It's a tough question because I have a I have a two brains of that because obviously my large primary audience for most of my career has been bicycling centered, mm-hmm. so you know the books around that climb is like a little pet favorite of mine or something. You know, I just like I, I love that book and and I, it's well received, so I. I I think that if you ask me that uh, specifically about bicycling, I would say that one, Mm -hmm. but in, but more broadly, I would definitely hold up roar, which Mm -hmm. is the, the one that I did with Stacy Sims on women's specific nutrition and physiology. That book ignited a movement and changed a conversation around women and their periods and female athletes and their unique needs from a physiological standpoint. I've always been on the lookout in my whole career for people who are doing amazing work and have a need to have their voices amplified. And, and she was such a no brainer. The moment I saw her give her presentation, I was like the world needs to hear what this woman is saying and just boldly walking up to her and telling her that we were going to do a book and actually making it happen. And everything that came from that, from her TEDx talks to, you know, the women are not small men movement, all that stuff is very much one of my proudest professional accomplishments. Which is which is funny. It's funny to say that book because if you hold that book up, my name isn't on the cover. (laughs) Which which is the only one that my name isn't on the cover. She wanted it there. I asked that it be removed. And it was a super hard decision for me because I was so proud of it and I worked so hard on it. But at that time I was doing a lot of work with Goo. And they were a sponsor mm-hmm. of teams I was racing for. And I have such respect and love for a lot of the people behind that brand. And Stacy, as a, people who know her work, draws a real hard line in the sand on Gels. You know? and, and that book was very early, one of the first like direct shots at, from her at Gels. And I didn't want there to be any distraction or conflict in the message at all. And I didn't want to be like, Oh, jails are good enough for Selene, and she's riding with goo. You know, I was doing the tour of California with the team with their And, right. you know, in, in retrospect, maybe I didn't need to worry about that so much, but it was really, really important to me that her work shone through without any distraction for me. So I, I made that decision and, uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad I made that decision, but it was it was a tough one, and it's always a little weird because I look at it and I'm so proud of it. And my she writes a glowing thank you and acknowledges me as her co-author within it, but I'm not on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it says something about your character though that you made that choice.
1: Well, thank you, thank you. I, I will admit my ego was fighting me, but I was just like, put it down, Celine. Put the ego <laughs> in the corner.
0: I, I. I I would find it difficult to face that choice.
1: That yeah, uh, not, is not easy. I mean, yeah, yeah. Work, you know. But.
0: Right, right, and especially when it's something you, you know, it's not just some project, but something you believe in so forcefully.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, there might hmm. be a follow up that my name will be on. So, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and speaking in that direction. Mm-hmm. last time you and i talked about books you were doing there were three you were working oh my on lord.
1: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yes that is a fact when the pandemic hit i panicked folks and just like all the irons in the fire i make sure they they got lit and i got contracts and i ended up with three books for 2020 and i i still wake up at five in the morning in a mild panic because oh <laughs> dear lord oh dear lord Um, the first one is pretty much done. That is just a work for hire assignment. I I was, it's a CBD book of all things with Reader's Digest and Project CBD. It was a partnership and I was the writer on it. It was supposed to be much easier than it was a very light lift as they say. Hmm. Let's say, let's say not so much. (laughs) Let's say, let's say it's been like a series of very heavy deadlifts, but that thing I think is just about done. I uh my brother is an FBI agent, explosive scientist, and I have been working we've been working for about three years to get his book off the ground and uh the manuscript is actually coming back and my heart's gonna stop as I say this on Friday or Monday for Ooh. yeah. Uh the draft is in, we're gonna get edits and stuff. Oh boy. And that needs to get turned around in October. That'll be, that's exciting. That's exciting. And uh, the, the last one is that one I was talking about, which is not yet named. We're playfully calling it the cougar edition of roar. Cause it's, <laughs> <laughs> that won't be the title. It's just the working title. Uh, when does that it come with came, a bottle of Chardonnay? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll float Bad that Patrick. out to the team. I'll float that out to the team. Um, no, it's funny when, when roar came out this, this, group of women started a Facebook group, like a book club, an online book club, you know, just to talk about and support each other and implement and blah, blah, blah. And a subgroup within that group started a hashtag called hashtag forgotten athletes. And they were all women going into like menopausal years, like 40 plus, where like the hormones start shifting again. And this is sort of the first generation of women in sport at that level still, you know, across the board, not, mm-hmm. not profet, just like mm-hmm. recreationally and no one's t- talking about it. No one's telling them like what to do. Like we, you know, with Roar, we, and we do talk about menopausal years a little bit, It's but it's just a chapter. And they're like, we need more than a chapter. You know, you're talking all about the menstruation and the cycles and this, but like a lot of, and it's interesting, a lot of women stop sport, well, girls, I should say, when they go into puberty because of all the changes and the disruption, and it's happening mm-hmm. at the other end, too, you know, when the mm-hmm. hormones shift the other end. So Stacy did a whole menopause course. And it, it's 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 great because that I, I just think what I'd really love people to know is that the menopause is just like one point in time. But all those hormonal changes, they can start happening for some women as early as like their late 30s and they can carry mm-hmm. on until their 50s. You're talking about a giant chunk of women's lives and the advice that they need to, to deal with those changes in their hormones continues for the rest of their life. So you're ta- like, you're talking almost like half a woman's life for some people that they, that, you know, that these hormones are disrupt can be disruptive. And for some people, very disruptive. There's a long way of right. saying that this book and this, that it's, I'm very excited to, um, for this for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've always heard about this as a transition and the more that I've learned and certainly what you're talking about right now oh. Makes it sound to me like, you know, calling those changes transitional in any way is a real disservice because what you're talking about is like constant motion in the backfield.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, yes. I mean, I, it seems like a, yeah.
0: a, a an improper perception of what it is you're dealing with.
1: Well, so many times I think people just think it's like a like a switch like you just wake up and like one day it's like oh my periods are gone okay now i'm supposed to like it okay. but it it just doesn't work that way and um i i've i've taken to calling it like your hormones SOS signals cuz your hormones are just messengers right that all they do is tell other things in your body what to do and mm-hmm. during this time like when women are getting fatigue and hot flashes and mood swings it's just the hormonal SOS so we're going to we're coming in to like save the ship you know, because there, there are things you can do to like, just as you can work with your cycle when you're you're not pre-menopausal, you can work with it when all that other when all those changes are starting to happen. And I I googled around to try to find like you know competitive analysis in this space and all that stuff. And it's there's not a whole lot out there for again for active women. There's tons for just normal medical advice or just general advice, you know, Oprah sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But really not for people who are still doing. gravel races and triathlons and CrossFit and all that. There's not a whole lot out there for them.
0: Yeah. Wow. So that brings us to hit play, not pause. What is Mm -hmm. that? What are you up to? What are you
1: doing? That is, I am, I am uh, terrified in the best of ways about this because it's, it is something that uh, just got launched very quickly. It happened very quickly. So in conversations with Stacy and her team about this book that I'm talking about. She, Stacy, works with some women in the live feisty media company. So it's a women owned mm-hmm. women operated media company. They have a number of podcasts. They do girls gone gravel. Uh, if we were riding, there's a bunch of them unfazed. And, you know, and I was talking to them because they, they did a tremendous job promoting Stacy and her work and roar. They tr- tremendous. And I was like, well, you know, I think, this should have a podcast, you know. There should be a podcast for women in this space. And Catherine, the woman I was talking about, she's like, she she literally started typing to the team as we were talking. She's like, "We might be able to make that happen." And I see her typing. I'm like, "What are you doing?" And she's setting up a <laughs> she's setting up a meeting with the team. And we had a meeting with the team, and they're like, "Yes, do you want to do it?" I was like, "Yes," because that's what I do. I just say yes if I want to do something, and I figure it out. So I said yes, and we. I've been working and working and working and uh, I have to give Dave all the credit. Like, so it it had a terrible working title was like Meadow power or some such cheesy thing. But like, we, I couldn't come up with like a title that embodied everything that I'm talking about. Like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. this long period of time and you shouldn't feel like you need to stop or slow down or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Dave and I were just like riffing. It was like Saturday morning or something before a ride. And he's like, he said, "Mental play." I'm like, eh, that's not it." He's like, "Hit play, not pause." So I was like, "You're a genius!" I'm like, "Oh my god, you're a genius!" Because I love that. I love it so much, you know. And there's all kinds of playful things you can do with it. Like, it's because awesome. your periods are stopping doesn't mean you have to, you know. Like all the no, yeah. like just no. We the whole thing is normalizing it, normalizing it, normalizing it. Talking to these women. There's millions of them that are like everybody feels alone. So yeah, I mean, my first guest is going to be Stacy, obviously. So we're going to do mm-hmm. a, like a a dual thing and that it's going to launch in first week of October, but that yeah, people will hear from me that we'll put a little tile. Cause I love the little tile that they came up with for the, yeah. for the podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the format of the show, will you, will most episodes be you interviewing someone else?
1: All of them. Yeah. It's All just, of it, okay. like, I, I am the host and yeah, you know, probably little bit of anecdotal stories here and there because I've got a ton of anecdotal stories and then uh, interviewing just a wide range of people uh, from scientists like Stacy and researchers. I have a an interview on tap with this woman called Erin uh, Carson, and she's out of Boulder and she does strength training that helps hormonal support, you know, because mm-hmm. there's ways mm-hmm. that you can strength train that are beneficial to your hormones. So I'm talking to her. People like Rebecca Rush, obviously, you know, who is just like. I was racing with her. We raced all through our 40s, you know, like that. Like, and she's, we're the same age, 51, and she's still out there doing Rebecca V.5 or version point five or whatever she's calling herself <laughs> now. So it's, it's that, you know, it's a combination of, like, inspirational people sort of telling their stories and scientists ad- answering very blunt, I'm a very straightforward person. So... I have I have a one on tap that I'm pretty excited about. This woman, Mary Jane Minkin. she's in Yale. I've interviewed her a million times for women's magazines, and so I have a I'm lining up an interview with her now. And I just saw that she was on the road years ago, obviously with Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Really? <laughs> like, yes, talking about sex in the postmenopausal years, and that's off topic completely. But I'm going to have to ask her what that was like because my God. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. an amazing story, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna be that, and then I'm gonna wrap up each episode with like take home points, you know, so it'll be like a little intro, whatever that interview is with some some wonderful person telling you amazing advice or stories, and then just some take home points at the end,
0: given the number of women I know who are staring down exactly this barrel as bummed as I am for our collaboration to end. I couldn't be more pleased for you. Thank I'm excited you. for the women that I know who are going to have a chance to benefit from this. Uh, it's funny, to, you know, to think of a guy recommending a podcast about women's issues to women,
1: but I know a we're lot of women. I'm gonna, I know. Yeah. We're all about it. We, we, you know, we've always encouraged men to read roar and to be informed. It's especially if you like, live with women, like women, work with women, (laughs) any of it. Like it's, it's, it doesn't hurt to, doesn't hurt to know.
0: It does strike me as kind of a ally behavior, you know? Yeah,
1: no, there's that. Educate yourself. Yeah, no, there's that. But, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, I think there's, there's definitely, I like it because it was definitely one of those things. Like a lot of times I find myself, especially way back when I wrote more and like, the general fitness weight loss space, you know, you have like a widget and you're <laughs> trying to find an audience for it. Or you have like, and this isn't that situation. This is definitely by popular demand. Like people, I, I seen these women calling for this and wanting it. And, and I, at this point in my career, I've not only lived it and continue to live it, but I've amassed this amazing collection of experts that I've just talked to over the years that I know are there to provide, <laughs> you know, that voice. Wow.
0: That's, it's really terrific. Uh, and to think, you know, the women I, I know of who are confronting this and the struggles they're having to think that in a couple of weeks, they will face the opportunity of beginning to have uh, new resources with which to approach these issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm excited
1: for them. And if nothing else, so, you don't feel alone. Right. Like, yeah, that, I think yeah. that's, I think that alone is huge. Just hearing, even if, even if it doesn't solve everything you have, because I mean, let's face it, you're not going to solve every single issue. You can mitigate things, you can help. But at least you know that you are not the only person going through X, Y, and Z. And you see people successfully living with X, Y, and Z. And that that alone is very empowering.
0: Yeah, I mean, validation and encouragement, uh, that's never done anything for us, right? No, it's,
1: <laughs> it's better to just be shameful and keep things in, in secret. I think that that's the best, like stigmatize it as much as possible and don't talk.
0: Oh, yeah. well, I was raised Catholic, so That'll yeah, work, me I've too.
1: got that covered. <laughs> a, right there. <laughs> Fine. Stop talking about that. Why are we talking about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. No, <sighs> we shouldn't end. I don't want to end. Don't
0: say. <laughs> well, actually, uh, since we're not doing line picks in any normal fashion this week, I actually have something to to stick in here.
1: Okay. Don't make me cry, dude. I'm, I'm on the verge already.
0: No, uh, okay. but I do want to introduce my new co-host. Oh, okay, Patria. Yeah, please
1: do. Please do. Please do. Yeah. Well, hey,
0: PaceLine listeners, I'm here with our future co-host for the show, Patria Vandermark. Uh, I'm really excited to introduce you to everyone, Patria. I've known for our listeners out there I've known Patria for seven or eight years at this point I think it is yep. at least 7 at least 7 uh so maybe we met in 2012 originally yeah, I think you're right I was back east uh working uh working with 7 on what became the Airheart and uh one morning got together uh with uh Rob Vandermark your husband um And a couple other folks. Oh, our friend Richard Freese, who is a contributor to the new cycling independent. And uh, we went out for a little gravel ride on local trails and whatnot. And I was finding myself envious of the Boston cycling scene, which was not something I ever anticipated. But I was really impressed with your energy and uh, the enthusiasm that you brought uh, to your job with Ride Studio Cafe and now Ride Headquarters, which I haven't gotten to see yet, on it. But uh, you are one of the owners. And when I began thinking of, gosh, I need, I, I would like to continue the pace line, there was that, but I need someone who can uh, provide something different than what Celine brought to the show. And truly, you were the first person I thought of and uh, I can't say I ever considered seriously anyone else at some at any point. So what I want to do for our listeners is, you know, from a professional background, let's just talk a little bit about uh, you and what you do with Ride Studio Cafe. Uh, and at some point we will get into the very interesting, if circuitous path that led you there.
2: All right, great. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. I'm really excited about being here and being able to connect with your podcast and your listeners and everything cycling related. <laughs> yeah. But my bat, what I do at Ride Studio Cafe and Ride Headquarters is I like to call myself the curator. It's a nicer way of saying manager. Trying to get people the best cycling experiences possible. We do a lot of cycling related events, similar to the ride that you mentioned that we did with Richard Freeze back in 2012 with really cool mixed terrain. And we brought mixed terrain riding to the area, especially with our group rides, which we've had consistently throughout time uh, at the studio, except for now with COVID, we've had to cut out the group rides, but we're still bringing cycling events to people. Mm -hmm. and getting people on great bikes so curating every single bike that's purchased there are no two bikes that go home that are the same because there are no two riders that are the same
0: wow that's really cool uh and of course you carry seven there
2: what else do you do Uh, what are your other lines uh honey bikes is a titanium frame it's so it, it costs slightly less than a seven cycles bike and they are every type of bike from road bikes, gravel bikes, fat bikes, mountain bikes, um, uh, tandems as well. So we do full line of, of honey bikes and seven cycles bikes.
0: Neat. Well, so in a couple of weeks here, uh, I believe Celine and I each have an episode of the PaceLine tandem, uh, on deck But uh, we will be back with you and our first episode of the new version of The Pace Line in a couple of weeks. So, Patria, first, just on a very personal basis, thank you for being willing to do this. Uh, I was I was really excited by the idea and I honestly didn't know if I was going to be able to talk you into saying yes.
2: You did a good job of that. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to be working alongside you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you yeah, she sounds
1: awesome like like that sounds like a really uh that sounds like a very pace line-y kind of host to me because she's got uh-huh. such a you know such a, a variety of experience, different experience that I have, which is pretty cool too so i i'm I am very happy to pass my mic to this this wonderful person thanks um
0: yeah. there's no replacing you
1: oh, don't stop
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, so I knew I needed to go in a different direction.
1: Well, I appreciate uh, that. Did we tell, we, I know it was on Facebook, but we didn't tell the audience that you had me thinking that I needed to go into witness protection. Did, did we? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about that. Not really. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. We could end on that funny story.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, well,
1: yeah. So last One day you got a box. <laughs> I came home from camping. And there was a giant like giant flat (laughs) box on the front porch. Like as tall as I was giant. Like I'm not saying like it was really big. And I was like, what is that? Like I didn't order anything. It had no return address, nothing. And It's just like Amazon fulfillment had shipped it. And so I go in the house with the giant flat box and I open it. And Dave's like, what is that? I'm like, I have no idea. We open it up. It's like a, something wrapped in a lot of pretty pretty tissue paper and we pull it out and it's a giant metal hammered octopus from haiti it's beautiful but it's this big piece of art which is reminiscent of the necklace that i always wear and i'm very i love octopuses as most people know and so i'm looking for a card i'm looking for anything indicative of who sent said octopus and there's nothing like, we checked the trash after we threw out the wrapping. <laughs> there was nothing. So I was like, okay, it's got to be my mom. Because it's very much something my mom would do. So I call my mom. She's like, send her a picture. She's like, that's awesome. But no. Like, seriously? <laughs> ask my daughter. Because sometimes she'll surprise me. She's like, again, awesome. No. Check with Dave's parents, even though I don't think they even know I like octopuses. <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> No. <laughs> I check with my brother. I don't think that's something that he would necessarily do, but he gets me so he got me this necklace, so he, he, he does know my taste. And I sent him a picture of it and he's like From Haiti, from someone you don't know? I'm sure there's no curses or anything involved. I would just hang that in your house. It's fine. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So it was actually super unsettling. I walk I would be out walking the dog at night, a sort of looking around, like there's somebody around that knows that I like octopuses and knows where I live. And is this okay? I'm like, all right, that's okay. And someone has my address and they know that I like octopuses and they sent me a giant metal octopus. (laughs) This might not accelerate in any scary way. And then finally we get on the podcast last week and Patrick goes, so did a package arrive? And he got me a giant metal octopus. So thank you. That was an amazing sound off.
0: I I needed to do something. Okay, I needed to do something, and I wanted to do something memorable. And I, the way I they forget. described, <laughs> the way they described the dimensions, it did not sound. I I don't know how they measure in Haiti, but <laughs> what you have is larger than what I understood it to be.
1: It's so big. And it's amazing.
0: I wanted to include a little note, but there was no way to do that. And I thought, well, I mean, at least they'll stick something in there saying how it got to you. Um, and early in the week, I knew it got there on Monday. And early in the week, I was just, I'm. You may have heard I'm starting this new website, so I was oh, a little yeah, on the busy it. side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, I'll check in with you soon. And suddenly it's Thursday, and it's like, oh well, I guess I should ask when we start the call. <laughs> and I had not been on the Instagrams. Right, so I right, did not know did about the, story. you know. Hey, does anybody know about? I had completely missed that, so I hadn't helped resolve that at all. And yeah, you're wondering, do I need to move?
1: <laughs> yeah, do I need another security system? No, but it was, I was, I really appreciated it. So awesome, and best of yeah. luck with the cycling independent because that, that's really cool. Thanks.
0: You know, if things have to end for the two of us doing this, it couldn't be better that we both have something so awesome starting.
1: hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. And you know, I'm always here. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, I, we will find ways and exu- yeah. And we will find excuses to ping you, uh, and keep driving people to your articles. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know what? I haven't bothered to bring up the end of the show script. Um, and maybe that's sort of appropriate. Uh, you know, everybody, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, thanks for listening. Uh, there will be, keep
1: keep sending them stuff. Keep sending questions. You'll have different questions to ask and answer.
0: Yep. Uh, Let's see, I've got a uh, PaceLine Tandem uh, to produce uh, during a very short break. Uh, are we going to do yours with uh,
1: Matt Phillips' dad? Uh, take a listen to it. it was, it's a little bit rambling, so take a listen. But it would be nice to do some of it because it is pretty entertaining. He's a really entertaining guy. And okay. people did like yeah. that. People liked him a lot.
0: Okay, well, yeah. yeah, it was my hope. So, yeah, we'll have two episodes uh, and then we're going to get started with Patria In a couple of weeks. So,
1: (sighs) Celine, you rock. (laughs) You too, Patrick. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Pace Line.